Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Timothy Harvey, and as you can see, to my right is my co-host, Jason Hunt. Uh, oh, oh, wait, no, that's that's not Jason. Uh, Jason is off getting the coffee. It is a cold night in Kansas City. Uh, it was snowing earlier today. For those of you who are local, you know that there was a lot of concern early in the day that turned into not much of anything, which is great. Kansas City in winter is always fun. This one's not off. It's And... There. Okay, so, um, Mike wasn't on apparently. So, and now we've got me coming out of another speaker. Oh, out of Jason's phone. Okay, so the dog is not Jason. This is Jason. Jason was getting coffee. Well, you couldn't hear me. I was being very funny and very witty. Well, this, this microphone was picking you up. Junior office dog, get down. Um, so at least I was getting picked up on some level. Uh, the um, so yeah, Kansas City uh, in winter is a thing. Uh, Kansas City drivers have a tendency to forget that moisture from the sky is a thing they've seen before, and they react poorly. Um, we got a little bit of a late start tonight. Part of that was my arriving a little bit later than planned. Not because of the roads are bad, just because people were being very hesitant, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Happens. As someone who used to drive for a living and doesn't anymore, bwahaha, um, I am quite content to let people drive carefully in Kansas City because there's a whole lot of people in Kansas City who just don't. Yes. There's <laughs> crazy people in this town. I'm going to show off our bump shot again. Yeah, show off our bump sure, shot again. We... Turn off the... Okay. I, uh, I do know how to do some of this. Well, you know. So, so at home... We've been going through closets and boxes mm -hmm. and whatnot, right? Because uh, we bought the house from Mindy's mom. Right. And as we're cleaning out the house, we're setting up the office and all these different things. And Mindy's going through boxes. She's pulling out stuff out of the closet that her mother left here because she just doesn't want it. Sure, right. And one of those is a box. And inside this box are a couple of lenses. Special attachments to go onto your phone. So sure, your uh -huh. smartphone lens thing that covers and whatnot. And one of them is a wide-angle shot. Uh, a wide-angle lens. And so we're experimenting, and it doesn't quite line up with the, with the camera on my phone right. as much as it lines up on hers. But then I thought, oh, hey, I wonder. And we've got three different kinds of webcams mm -hmm. um, because they're they're all made by Logitech, but they're different models. I got a 310, a 270, and a 525. And the 525 is very thin. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this has a little spring clip on it. Let's see. And so I put it on there, and there it is. Ta-da. Nice and, and wide shot. You can see our logo in the screen over here. And for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you're missing out. Because Not that we don't want you to listen to the podcast. We do want you to listen to the podcast. We do, yes. But see, the thing about it is, though, this lens addition to the webcam gives us a sharper image. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
a, a clearer image. I shouldn't say sharper image because they're not Sponsoring paying the for show. anything. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a clearer image, and I think it's part of the, partly because of the glass. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it is. And so I'm like, well, this is this is good. Now, it would be nice if all the rest of the cameras worked. Eh, well, you know. I We hooked up. There, There's one that we hooked up not too long ago that we used for the last Ranker Pit uh-huh. a week ago. And it was Mindy's again. We used it for Mindy's camera, and it worked just fine. And I plugged it in tonight, and I'm getting all sorts of haunted house, supernatural, ghosty interference things. Clearly, something you wanted for the Halloween episode. Well, it it looks it actually it actually looks like some of the static interference that you get when you're looking at the Terminator's point of view. Oh, sure, uh-huh. yeah. You know when he's been damaged, and there's that fizz fuzz. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was doing that. I'm thinking, why is it doing this? So now I have that to figure out. So, uh, speaking of the Terminator, yes, have you have you uh, have you introduced our topic yet? I have not. Ah, you're you're dra- you're you're carrying the time travel mug. I am you uh, indeed. Uh, so, uh, did you get a chance to watch it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the no, the, ter- the new Terminator film came out, and while it has not particularly done well in the box office, I haven't looked at the most recent numbers. Um, it not is, good. It's not it's good. It's seventy five percent drop off from last week. Yeah, to which um, uh, which I think is unfortunate um, because of all the Terminator films, um, it's hardly the worst of them. And I think that, that uh, it's it's hardly the worst, but it is the most unnecessary. And herein lies the problem with this film. And I think that. Uh, uh, first of all, let me just say, overall, I enjoyed the movie. It's not bad. I thought it was honestly, it was okay. So, so I have a, I have a. There's a number of things that I really liked about the film, and quite a few things I did not. Um, where do we want to start? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Now, to be clear, this this episode is not going to be strictly about the new Terminator. Right. Movie. No. That uh, is just that just happens to be our entry point. Right. Into the topic because it's it's timely, shall we say. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Interestingly enough, since they just dropped a new uh, Doctor Who teaser, it's especially timely hmm. because time travel again. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, the, the new Terminator film um, does something really, really clever right off the bat. And I think it, it upset a lot of fans, but uh, there's a couple of things that end up happening when you look at the Terminator franchise as a whole. Okay. You look at the first two movies and they tell a story. Mm-hmm. They tell a single story. And there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to that story. Yes, and that is it's basically if you took, if you were to watch the two films back to back, you would still come pretty close to a three act structure. Overall, <laughs> the problem is is that at the end of the movie, you're left with young John Connor, who will grow into the savior of mankind. Yes. There's two things that happens to saviors: they succeed or they fail. It's a binary choice. You don't right. get a middle ground. You can. How you fail is your middle ground, right? You either live or you don't. Right. Uh, and saviors uh, in literature, especially, in fiction especially, do not do well. Once the savior wins in literature, generally speaking, and I can I have a specific example in mind that I'm, I'm going to get to in a second, um, it tends to, the story doesn't work anymore. It either stops, I mean, it, it's got to stop, or if it, they keep going with it, it doesn't work much anymore. The exception to that rule 
it's a loose roll. But the exception of that is the Dune series, where Frank Herbert sat there and said, I know the Messiah figure is going to fail. I know the Savior figure is going to fail. Mm-hmm. Dune Messiah. Which leads into Children of Dune and a redefining of what it means to be the, the Savior figure, the Messiah figure. Right. And then you have God Emperor, which completely throws the rule book out. And then you get into the last couple of books where he just sits there and goes, don't look for Mas- don't look for All saviors. All The... There are that theory either works or it doesn't. Again, it's a binary thing because um, if you look at it from the standpoint of John Connor being the savior figure and this whole thing is about him, then yeah, there that that element has to be there in some way, shape, or form. However, if you look at John Connor as a plot device, then you can do anything you want with him. And I think that's what ended up happening here. Well, but I think the problem is that they already did that. They had him as a plot device. And that's the problem is that John Connor is the most boring character in the franchise. Nothing against the actors who have played John Connor. No, but the role the character plays in the overall story. I mean, and so ultimately he's, uh, you know, you either, John Connor saves saves the world or John Connor doesn't. Yeah. And that's not an interesting... John Connor as a kid is interesting because John Connor as a kid is unformed. He can be anything at that point. Yeah. John Connor as an adult is either saves humanity or he doesn't. And they tried to play with that in the, in the sequels because Linda Hamilton didn't, didn't want to play anymore. Yeah. So they were stuck with the John Connor character or start from scratch, which they didn't want to do. So now when we get the new movie... Spoiler alert for the film, which is all over the internet, so no, it's not really well. um, John Connor dies right away. Yeah, which, first five minutes of the movie. Which does a couple of interesting things. One, it takes the film back to what it was in the beginning, which is a film ultimately about Sarah Connor and Sarah Connor's role. And on top of that, it solves the problem of why didn't Skynet just send back another Terminator? Because... There's nothing to have stopped Skynet from ever sending back another Terminator. So what happens in this film? Skynet sends back another Terminator. Well, and if you look at it, Skynet has sent back a number of them. Right. To various different points of time. and They're all and really, Sarah really bad at their been, jobs. Yeah. Well, but she thought she won. And that's the thing, is that the, the, the threat seemed to have passed. Whether or not you think this story works, some of the things they did were at least interesting and more interesting mm. than I think Terminator Salvation did or certainly well, Terminator Genesis. Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis both ste- kept that John Connor is the savior of humanity premise mm-hmm. and that locks them into well, even, only certain types of And even of Genesis they tried to break out of it by making him a bad guy no. and even then that didn't work because the problem is that ultimately once you get to the point John Connor ultimately once Edward Furlong grows up into the adult John Connor, Mm -hmm. John Connor isn't that interesting of a character. So what they did is they basically said, okay, let's get rid of the non-interesting character, and here's the problem with the movie. They remade Terminator and Terminator 2. Yeah. And 
they, I think they did, a, they, did a, they did a slick job. Special effects are good. Performances are fine. I had no problem with the the performances are fine. The I I could not every time, every time I saw a day for night shot, it just uh, took me well, out. Yeah. The day for night stuff is terrible. But overall, um, I mean, it's it's the fight in the plane. All of those effects looked half baked. They weren't. They weren't the, bad. The, they weren't uh, good at all. Here's here's part of the problem though. We run into the world where CGI has reached a certain point. Where it's just not. I mean, we see the seams. We can't stop seeing the seams. Yeah. We know they're there. And part of that is just a suspension the, of disbelief. The, the opening scene where all the Terminators are coming up out of the out mm-hmm. of the water, they didn't even look like they were really there. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you, how much money did they spend on this? Well, These you know, effects but, are but, just But some of the things that we terrible. run into is that they're, they're, there's this trend in Hollywood right now to get away from shooting at 24. Which and, is a mistake. Which is a mistake. Twenty four and thirty. That's kind of where you got to stop, because because the the higher resolution you get your digital filmmaking, the more the seams show, and you know it's just it's just the, the reality of the technology currently. Maybe some, I'm sure someday it will be better, but right now it's just what it is. Well, I mean, and if it's sixty frames, if sixty frames a second, it looks. You have to throw a ton of money at it to make it look right. Yeah, so. well, and and culturally, I'm hoping that since we're swinging back to vinyl, <laughs> that maybe we'll actually go back to shooting on film again. Uh, it would be nice. I, I think the cost prohibitive. I mean, I don't. No. As much I as think much that they're arguing they spend, that it's cost prohibitive. Yeah, but as much money as they spend on the effects of this yeah. stuff. I, uh, so like I said, I, en- I enjoyed the film overall because they tried to be clever. They did some clever things. I, performances, I really enjoyed Linda Hamilton being back. Um, they basically, you know, but the thing is, is that they, you know, are, ter- the Terminator is the Terminator from Terminator 2. He's just the dad version. Yeah, um, the, he's learned. And you've got, um, you know, the... And I, I can't remember the name of the actress, and I'm sorry, just going just on a complete blank. Uh, who's who's the the female, the young lady who's in, in you know being hunted? She's essentially Sarah Connor, and Kyle Reese is is you know there's a Kyle Reese character. It's all the, it's all the same thing. And the thing is, is that ultimately, it works because that story worked. But the thing is, is that it's not it's not original. It's not original. But it's not well, and it's not fresh in a way that. We're all too we're all too familiar with those first two movies. If well, it, if they've the been other, ten years from now or twenty years from now, maybe yeah, the, the the pro the other problem that I had with it is like we have talked about uh, the stuff that gets made now is a product of its time, mm-hmm. and you cannot help but see the. I don't want to say virtue signaling, but the identity politics. Because the new savior could have come from anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Could have come from anywhere in the world, but she is a Mexican national mm-hmm. who crosses the border illegally. So we get the detention centers. I mean, all of the all of the modern politics of the day that don't really have very much impact on the story itself. No. Because you could tell that story from anywhere in the world. She could be German. Sure. She could be Russian. She but, could be Lithuanian. She could be Afghan. You know, Afghan. But the same. But anyway. the same argument is, is: there's no reason for her not to be a Mexican national for that same argument. Except. Well, ex- where we are in our time. Eh, I mean, yes, you can. You can. No, it's not. Eh. That's no, it's. I what, would, that's I, what they did because. 
Well, that's what you think they did. That's Tim, what they Tim Miller even said. And what they do with that, I mean, that's just every movies do that no matter what. I mean, wherever wherever they fall in time. You can't you can't get around the fact that, that every film is a product of its time and shaped by the cultural stuff that's going on in its world. You can't get around that fact. Well, you that's can't how get around this it. world that's you how this stuff you works. You can't get around it, but some some films are a little less blatant than others about well, it. Well, and, and whether it bothers you or not is another question. Because well, if all films do it, and some films do it more than others, you can you can choose if you're gonna, to be bothered by it or sit there going, and go, well, it's the Well, if you're going to be over-the-top obvious about well, it, so then there, that's going to bother me. Now, there is, there is some over-the-top obviousness here, uh, and I will definitely agree with you that certain things are. Uh, I, I completely 100% believe because I believe in the inherent goodness of people at the end of the day all evidence to the contrary aside I completely 100% believe that there are noble coyotes out in the world however I will say it was awfully convenient okay. she's related to one. Oh, sure and here's another problem with the film is there's a lot of convenience but the thing is if we sat there and sinned every film for all the conveniences they threw at us We'd be There's, there wouldn't be much left. I I am anticipating However, the the everything wrong with Terminator Dark Fate video that will come oh, out. Oh, it'll be a lot of fun. Ding 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 oh, sure. ding 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 ding. But the thing, ding, the, ding. but here's the question. You know, ultimately, you know, will it have fewer dings? And it doesn't matter because it's it's all for humor. But the thing is, is that I would rather watch this movie again than watch Genesis again. I would rather watch this movie again. Then watch Salvation again. I would rather watch Terminator or Terminator Two again than well, watch so this would movie I. again. But but honestly, I think that what when the big the biggest the biggest thing they did wrong. And like I said, I think they did some very clever things. Um, with like this, what? Well, realizing that John Connor isn't important to the story, realizing that realizing that they can win and still lose because the, they make it very very clear she stopped Skynet. Yes. And then the and then but but the dark fate is it that is, there's yeah, another machine intelligence going to rise no matter what. That was clever, I thought, because well, it's, you can't you can't escape the the future is going to happen in some form or another. I keep saying as soon as Google buys Facebook. Well, they're reading all of our stuff. But that's just it. We it's not, it can't. It's not Skynet anymore. Now it's Legion. Which, by the way, for those of you who are not up on your demonology, uh-huh. uh, I am yeah. Legion for we are many. Um, you know, one of the uh, the pigs. The pigs. Uh, the, it's a, a, a it's a biblical reference for those of you who don't know. Um, he's I believe a, it's in the Book of Mark when uh, that's when that that parable gets told about the pigs being possessed. But well. Man is possessed by by a, a multitude of demons, mm-hmm. and Jesus drives them out. Right, and they don't want to be destroyed, so don't don't destroy us, don't destroy us, and so he sends them into a herd of pigs, and the herd of pigs goes bonkers, and they end up drowning themselves in the right. river. And Legion has shown up as a um, a fic- character in fiction in quite a bit. Uh, the Exorcist, Exorcist Three, Legion. Um, uh, if, by the way, if you haven't seen Exorcist three and you enjoyed the, exor- the first Exorcist, skip Exorcist two. It's terrible, <laughs> but Exorcist three is actually really good. It stars George C. Scott uh, as as Detective Kellerman, and it's actually really good. I think the other thing that bothers me about this Terminator movie is that it is glomming on to the franchise train 
we must make another sequel. We must do another reboot. We must have yeah. something on here that I think I think if this film had come out in place of say Terminator three, Rise of the Machines. Or even after Terminator Three, it still could or work. sure. I think I think it would actually have worked a lot better because the pro- we've we've seen this story too many times. We've seen the variations on this story too many times, and it does. It's you know for all the for all the fact that everybody involved uh, has basically said we wanted to get the series back on a track that it's gone off of, and I think to some degree it succeeds in that regard. The problem is. Nobody cares. Did we? We didn't need it. You're right. You said yeah. it's, it's ultimately unnecessary. So I thought it would, you know, good performances, some clever twists, um, and and I think that it, if it had come out twenty years ago, no, fifteen years ago, um, yeah. it probably would have done a lot better. But I think we have franchise fatigue with things like, you, know, you can't you can't remake RoboCop now. Right. You can't. You can't. I mean, you might get a seat. You might get. Well, a, we're just talking about. They're part, talking about a seat. Part of the problem. And this is. This goes back to something that we talked about um, and I don't even remember if we talked about it on on a show or not but when we talked about uh, no I think we have um, talking about the remakes of Starsky and Hutch and the Dukes of Hazard and Bewitched and, all, and right. Land of the Lost sure. they you've got the these people who remember that thing they want to make again mm-hmm. but they don't remember what made it work. Right. They don't understand the source material to the point where they make it work. And when I was sitting there, we, we watched Dark Fate today, uh, today, and I, when I saw the story credits, three people on screenplay, five people on story, and that right there, the light went, bing, aha, that's how many people it took to figure out how to make this work. Well, because uh, yeah. it's you know it's story by committee, and when you do story by committee, when the committee gets too big, then you run into problems. And I think that's one of the things that we're running into with Star Wars is there's a story committee, and every there's, I've heard, and I and I, I need to track this down to verify because I'm just now hearing it that the story committee has been dissolved. And I only heard something about that earlier this uh, uh, late last week, and I need to look that up because apparently, if that's true, it happened quite a while ago. Could be. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's. Uh, so I would say if you if you want to see if you haven't seen it yet and you want to see a film that is made by people who actually do understand the Terminator universe. And perhaps, and well, and definitely, I think stuck too close to it. Yeah. Um, tried to step, did some clever things in stepping outside of it, but not enough to make it fresh. Some good performances. Um, not uh, quite sure I cared for the dig at Texas, though. I was going to point that out that it had it taken place anywhere else in the world, Texas is not next to Germany or well, wherever else, and they couldn't have. Well, okay. No, I'm talking about the gun crack. That you know, Schwarzenegger the made. The fact that he's got all these guns in the basement, and you know, yes. like, well, it's, you know, why do you it's have not. This? It's yeah. It's and the, well. The th- here's here's another problem with that, is that it's not a new dig in Texas. There's a lot. Of, I know. There's a lot of re and 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 then unfortunately, a lot like of I the said, gags are are old. It's old, and and I think that that's the problem is that they tried to recapture what made Terminator One and Two work, and they did mm. too much. Yeah. 
but if yeah, uh, Mackenzie Would... Davis, uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Luna, who's Agents of Shield, he was Ghostwriter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, Mackenzie N- Davis plays great. She's the one. She's the enhanced human. That right. She's back. she's basically she's serving she's... the Kyle Reese character. Yeah, she's Kyle Reese. Uh, uh, Natalia Reyes. Natalia Reyes is playing the um, uh, Danny, who is essentially the Sarah Connor character. Mm. Unfortunately, the end of the film leaves her with the same problem John Connor has. Sure. So she is now the savior of, of the world, except she now has become the least interesting character in the franchise. Because, well, not not for any fault of the actress, but because that role is the least interesting role in the franchise. The one thing that I'm wondering how they left it. Now, and I know they left it wide open for a sequel, sure. which they're not going to get. Uh, it's highly it's unlikely. Done. It's done. I think, I, not um, for a while. How they go about... See, because if Legion is the new Skynet, now you're basically just in a loop. Yeah. We got rid of Skynet, Legion comes up. We get rid of Legion, then... Exodus comes up, or you know, exactly. uh, E seventy two, or whatever. And that's and that's like I said, it's the problem. They put her in the same position they ultimately put John Connor in, and I think that it's, it's a story trap that is really hard to get out of for this kind of story. There's you know a certain simplicity to this kind of story, which is difficult to break out. Of. You know how they do it. Make uh, go back and make the the Sarah Connor Connor Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> I can't because yeah. it's the it's the it's the no, best sequel to Terminator One and Two ever got. It is. It is. It was. It was a, it was a great a show. Fantastic show. But what they do is they make Danny an activist to help break up social media, and and it. Because what they're saying, and I remember this was a good point that that Sarah made at the one point at the hotel, you know, when when she's back and she's like, "You're not going to last ten hours out here because everything's connected, right? Yeah, everything's wired. There are cameras everywhere. The phone's listening to you. All of this stuff." And I'm thinking, that's the that's the next movie. Yep. Is how do you figure out to get this to not be a thing anymore? Yeah. And and unfortunately. When, when the first two Terminator films were made... This... Yeah, Thomas, get rid of Legion, Facebook comes up. And, and well, that's, that's where we are. Well, and the, and the first two Terminator films, you didn't have social media. Right. You did not have this... this or conne- smartphones. ...connectedness of all things. Yeah. And so the idea of a machine uprising was a great dramatic twist. Not a new one. Termi- Terminator and Terminator 2 did not actually tread new ground in a no. lot of ways, okay? Um, they, were, they were fun. They were enjoyable movies. They were not particularly original, ultimately. Well, it's, not to say it's, they a, it's a new combination of right, events. Right. So uh, I mean, if elements, you if you can so. if you break stuff down, it all comes down to the same basic kind of storytelling, no yep. matter what it is. But you know the so yeah, if you're if you if you if you're on the fence about seeing it, it's an entertaining Terminator movie. It's better than it's better than uh, Salvation. It's better than uh, Genesis. I think it's probably for me, it's probably on level with Rise of the Machines, only because. I like the fact that Rise of the Machines gets to an ending and sits there and goes, "We're doomed," <laughs> because I thought I thought I thought that was you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, at least a twist. I mean, they they were playing with the formula, yeah. and I thought that was interesting. So, um, you know, it's but it is its biggest its biggest crime is that it's just. It's a remake of Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. Yep, it is. What year did this uh, second Terminator come out again? 90. Uh, 97? Okay, 
Was it 97? 91. No, 91. Yeah, yeah, first, first Terminator was 84. Second one was 91. So my, th- my thing is, and I agree with you, Tim, on the whole knocking off John Carter's aspect. Connor. Connor, sorry. However... We're not if allowed to talk took... about John Carter anymore. <laughs> That's right, we've been told. Sorry, guys, my slip up. But if the beginning of the movie was in 97, which is... Terminator 2 was 91, Genesis was 2015. God, it was four years ago already. Well, I mean, am I remembering right when they showed him in the cantina down in Mexico? It said, like, something, whatever the date was, 97? I don't remember. I don't recall. I, I don't recall when the date was. Um, they showed it, and he looked like he had not aged a day from the second I th- movie. I think and th- I felt like, wait a minute, if this the implication is I got was that basically later, it was just he like should look older, they, just almost right after. They had basically gone. You know, we 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 need to stay away from because Sarah was still a wanted wanted woman at that point. Still, well, she was wanted woman in the film, um, but they basically sat and went were someplace where they didn't think that they were. You know, they thought that they had won, and so. It was relatively quickly after this after okay. the second film. Okay. Uh, can you drop our our mics down just just a hitch? Just a, yeah. Okay. All right. Time travel. Time travel. So um, for those of you who missed it, um, uh, there's been a lot of speculation that Doctor Who's going to get a Christmas special, um, and there's a new there's a new teaser. Uh, there's been a, a, which is not much of anything. It's not much of anything, but uh, it's the it's the first video. Uh, that we've gotten, and it lends some credence to the idea that we're going to get a Christmas special because this is what the BBC does: is they drop little teasers and they bring a thing on you. Yeah. Do you uh, think you think we're going to get a Christmas special? I think we're going to get a Christmas special. It'd, it'd be nice if we did, uh, because there's otherwise it's there's no other Doctor Who in 2019. Right. Um, and uh, considering that you know they're. Uh, uh, We'd like to maybe have those of if you happen to be a fan of the show, um, you'd like to actually have the show back sometime soon, uh, because we don't know when in 2020 it's scheduled to come back either. We don't have any dates on that yet. So if we get something early in 2020 or 2019, I'll be a happy guy. Um, but okay. time travel, time travel. Um, so you cannot talk about time travel without talking about the time machine. And H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. And the if, book. The, let's start with the book. Let's start with the book, um, which uh, I have a paperback copy that sits on my shelf with a bunch of notes in it. Because years ago, Ken, our friend Kendall Sin hmm. uh, looked at me and said, I want to make the real Time Machine movie. <laughs> and I said, tell me more, sir. And he said, I want you to write it. And I said, Huh? <laughs> Um, which I actually, so I've got tons and tons of notes in this book because one of the things that, that the book really does that if you've seen the films, if you've seen uh, the George Powell, which is a great movie, yes. I love that film, um, it doesn't actually do what the book does. If you've seen the Guy Pierce Time Machine movie, which sure is pretty. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I think a lot of times. Is that the one that's done by Wells' grandson? Yeah, this one's done okay. by Wells' grandson, and the one where, um, uh, oh, for heaven's sakes, um, I'll look. Oh my god, I'm just drawing a complete blank here. I'll, do, I'll look. Our villain, uh, the main villain, uh, he's in Watchmen now for crying out loud. Uh, oh, for heaven's sakes, he played Alfred in the Snyderverse 
Batman. Oh, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. I'm completely out of my... Jeremy Irons plays the Batman, plays the, the super intelligent Morlock, which does not appear in the book, um, and has a wonderful argument against uh, heroes who, in, who show up in, in, in societies they don't understand. Um, it's actually doesn't fit in the movie in any way, shape, or form, but it's a lot of fun to watch because <laughs> he chews the scenery beautifully. The, the Time Machine, the novel, is ultimately a very sad book. It's a very melancholy book. Yeah. There's a lot of... Wells, H.G. Wells, for uh, all that he was uh, a prolific writer about futures, he was not terribly optimistic about the future of humanity. There was a lot of, a lot of war in his visions of the future. Mm. There was a lot of uh, humanity behaving poorly towards each other. Um, and while the scale is much bigger in the time machine, it actually takes you to the end of the earth. Uh, there's this beautiful melancholy scene at the end, which has never been filmed. It's never been in a time machine movie. And that's the scene, one of the scenes that Kendall really wanted to capture, yeah. uh, which is uh, the time traveler who is never named in the book. Um, and he, he stands on this beach watching basically the sun burn out. It's a beautiful moment, and it's it's so I mean it's it's tragic and sad um, because all things end, and there's just you know this idea that you know uh, uh, you can you can venture as far as you want with the power of time travel, but you're never you know it, things are going to end in the in the end. Yeah, uh, and the course of the book ends. Spoiler alert for the novel written a hundred years ago. Um, and God, how long? When was that book first published? Um, uh, it wasn't a hundred years ago, was it? No, I, um, it's, that can't be right. Uh, but anyway, um, the, the ending is, is our, our narrator, uh, who is also not named, I don't believe, uh, his friend is 1895, 1895, over a hundred years. years. Uh, our narrator is left wondering if he's ever going to see his friend again. Yeah, because it's told from the point of view of a friend of the time traveler who's been had the story related to him, and, and uh, he, there's a there's a sadness to the novel. It's actually, I mean, it's it's a really, it's personally, it's it's my favorite of Wells' novels. Uh, well, I think with with the time machine, with War of the Worlds, you had and and maybe things to come. You had mm. this idea that technology could get away from us as a society it was what very prescient the deuce you say regard. yes i think um now of course you're looking at it because wells being english he was you know a lot of people look at his books as commentary on English society and government sure. mm -hmm. and, and that kind and, of thing. Yeah, there was definitely some there's definitely some class structure arguments to be made about the Eloy and the Morlocks. Right. But the uh, thing is that it's a little bit more dangerously predictive than maybe some people realize because look at where we are now and well, but I, I think again we we the because of when the film, especially the the PAL version, was made, a lot there's certainly it it can be a very tense film. It can be a very there's moments certainly for the audiences of the time that are quite scary, 
for now we don't now we don't necessarily look at that. Um, there's a lot of actual moments of of almost straight up horror mm-hmm. in the novel, especially with the Morlocks and and they're they're preying on the Eloy. Um, it's a it's a interesting because it's it is it's a lot of different things. It's a science fiction novel. It's a horror, a little bit of a horror novel. It's an existential dread novel. It's a societal commentary novel. Well, um, it's an, is it all English literature existential dread? To some degree. <laughs> to some degree. I mean, the, 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 I think, you know, the, one of the funniest bits in all of Monty Python is the death scene in The Meaning of Life where death comes to them <laughs> at the dinner party and, you know, explains to them that they're all dead now, so shut up. <laughs> I saw, oh, uh, what did I see? I saw something the other day. About, um, oh, somebody made a comment on English food cuisine. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the the statement was basically they they searched the entire world for all of these spices, and they don't like any of them. <laughs> Actually, um, there's a reason why Indian food is very so popular in the British Isles because it tastes good. <laughs> and as taste. Uh there was a there was an old there was an old John Cleese beer commercial from the eighties that I just loved. Uh basically it's um I can't remember the name of I don't think I can remember the name of the beer, but basically it's John Cleese talking about how this beer is wonderful and you should try it. And this is the the answer it was, you know, wait a minute. How, why should we listen to you? You're an Englisher, and Englishers have the worst beer in the world. <laughs> and he says, it's precisely, it is precisely because British beer is so awful that we are such experts <laughs> on imported beer. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was, and of course, in that in that John Cleese delivery, oh, sure. and it sure. was just so, and it was, it was one of those names where, is, it, is there a beer called Schweppes? Well, Schweppes, Schweppes is a Schweppes, Schweppes is a ginger ale. It's a ginger ale. It's a ginger ale. No, but it's it's something like that. Yeah, uh, I remember the Schweppes. Their slogan was "Better not better better not bitter." That much I remember, but I can't remember the name of the actual beer. Ah. Uh, but anyway, um, there's I having been to England and having spent a week in London, uh, I can tell you that the cause the cuisine in Scotland and the cuisine in Paris was very good. Mm-hmm. And that I had Chinese food in London. You said better, not better. Mindy's looking it up. So, okay. Um, that's pretty much the first-ish time yeah, travel story. Um, I, think, I think you got you got time travel to some degree in some of the myth cycles of various cultures where, where gods would move back and forth. And, and, right. you know, but, but overall, your first real... Science fiction, because uh, you 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 have to you, you while certainly there's been fantasy and in, in storytelling and in, in myth and folklore, uh, and certainly the the idea that some of the some of the more fantastical kind of things that we get in our what we consider to be modern fantasy have existed for a long time. Science fiction required technology, sure. and so when you get you know when Frankenstein coming along really being the first science fiction novel, as well as one of the first horror novels. Um, you know, it wasn't until the idea where, where scientists could do a thing, but the question is, should they do the thing? Right. Um, really, really came to be. And so you, 
but it really opened the floodgates for all kinds of interesting stories to be told. Whether it's we talked about we talked about Buck Rogers, uh, I think last yeah, week or the week Ar- before, Ar- uh, Armageddon twenty four nineteen, which is a different kind of time travel. Um, I hate to do it to you guys, John Carter is a time travel story. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but you know it. it I mean, it, it is. You don't get that so much in the in the film, the current, the most recent film. Well, but it's there. Maybe, I don't. I don't really get the sense when i was reading it i didn't get the sense that it was so much a time travel movie as it was complete displacement i mean uh, well I, 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 I didn't get a sense that he had jumped into the future so much as he's oh, we're on another planet and the technology is advanced but the the did you read a time travel element into that i i or? think i did i think i because i know you're definitely talking about and of course when 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 that book was written, knowing what Mars was like. Well, actually, when that book was written, they had a better idea that, that what Mars was like than most people think they did in terms of sci- the science of, of that. Yeah. The canal theory had long had gone out the window, um, actually, by that point, I, as, as I recall. Um, but the... Certainly, we we had we hadn't landed any probes on Mars, so there's all kinds of things you could do. Same thing with with Carson and Venus and, and that sort of thing. You just didn't know. Uh, but the yeah, I I kind of got the impression that it was a uh, a Mars of a different time because it wasn't the Mars of of his time. Mm. Um, but but certainly, um, there have been uh, just really now, that John Carter and the time traveler got mixed into a story from Alan Moore in the back of one of the League of Extraordinary, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Kind of um, in fact, he, uh, because if you haven't read the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series, please do not see the movie. It's garbage. Um, no, it's a terrible movie. Um, it's Sean Connery's last, watch it for, to watch Sean Connery's last film and know that he decked the director um, on set because he hated it. He also turned down Lord of the Rings to be in that film because he didn't understand the Lord of the Rings script. This Sad. film, well, the, the that that film is what prompted him to retire. Yeah, uh-huh. that was That's yeah, he last, was done. His last was done. And unfortunately, it's also a prime example of how um, if you don't give and uh, if you don't give Alan Moore stories time, and you don't give them. You cannot just turn them into a cookie cutter model. They're yeah. just not written that way. Right. But I think one of the reasons that, that that Watchmen is getting the kind of praise it's getting right now, um, and and the criticism it's getting right now as well, um, is that for better or for worse, they are actually trying to do a story like Alan Moore does it, which is a que- whether or not they're pulling it off is a question. Nobody is going to be able to do that. No, but I think I think honestly, and, and, um, and when you consider who's running Watchmen, yeah, isn't that but, Lindelof? Yeah, it is. But but, uh, but well, but the first few seasons of Lost were actually really quality television. Leftovers actually got a lot of a lot of high praise. Uh, I haven't seen Leftovers, so I can't say for certain whether or not I would have enjoyed oh, it. Oh, that not. was the other thing that 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 huh, uh, Lost is time travel. Yeah, they're good. Uh, well, there's that. But um, uh, one of the producers of Terminator Dark Fate was David Goyer. Yeah, and I looked at that and went, "Oh well, uh, that explains that, so much." That, that can be hard. That explains so much. And of course, uh, Mindy looks at me like, "What? Who's David Goyer?" He's, <laughs> oh, he's David a re- Goyer. he's a recurring theme um, in in 
Hey, clearly, clearly he's making somebody enough money they keep hiring him. He's friends with someone or he's blackmailing somebody. He's making them enough money they keep hiring him. They keep they, they look at the numbers. You know, they look at the numbers. <sighs> so uh, anyway, but the thing is, is that, uh, um, in fact, in, in uh, well, there, I think there's, I think there's time travel in, there's definitely time travel in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's one of the back, one of the stories in the back, uh, Alan Quartermain is one of the main characters in, mm. in the series, uh, for a long portion, a lot, good chunk of, of the multi-volume League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series, which just ended, uh, yep. last year, I think so, last yeah. year or year before the, uh, uh, and so there's a story in the back where it's the, the time traveler, um, uh, John Carter, John Carter and, um, uh, Randolph Carter. Randolph Carter from from Lovecraft. Um, all find themselves uh, basically with with Alan Quartermain uh, traveling through time in, in the time machine uh, and running into Cth- uh, Cthulhu Cthulhu nasties and Morlocks and all sorts of interesting things. And it's a very entertaining little pastiche of of that kind of writing, which the whole thing is. Um, if you've never read it, Alan Moore loves literature. He loves it. He also loves British pop culture. Mm. And he molds them all together into this amazing series, which I personally think didn't end as interestingly as it could have. I thought it, I thought maybe he lost steam at the end. But it's such a big thing that even him losing steam... Did he lose is, steam or did he lose interest? Because, you know... I, I don't mean, think he you know, lost he's, interest. He's so frustrated. He's got to be frustrated with everything that's been done. But the thing is, he's, he's so... I, He's also so much Alan Moore. He just doesn't care. I mean, he yeah. he he gave up on the idea that anybody's going to adapt his stuff properly. He gave up on dealing with the big publishers because he wants to do things his way and doesn't want to be told what to do, which is perfectly fine as a creator. I have no argument with that. And he and some people sit there and go, "I'm willing to work within this structure." And he's like, "I don't want to." And they're like, "Well, we can't make you." And he's like, "You're right. You can't. I'm out." And I'm taking my beard with me, and and you know he's and he's such a fascinating character because he legitimately he's tell he will legitimately tell you he's a sorcerer, and then you have you know the whole the whole war with between him and Grant Morrison that's been going on for decades. Mm. It's so much entertaining stuff if you want to dive into <laughs> it. Um, but it, you know but that's, and, not, that's not the topic. That's not the topic. Maybe maybe we'll do a show where we can talk about all the adaptations of of because I need to watch Watchmen because I like I said I haven't watched I've, I've watched one episode so far. Uh, and I, because as somebody who loves his stuff and more stuff and also knows that a lot of it is really hard to adapt. Um, I've been very, that one episode I was like, interesting. Except that's not an adaptation. No. And and I think wisely, wisely it's not, it, it takes the same themes of Watchmen and bumps them forward a few decades. So, all right. So we got time machine. Yep. We have Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Well, Armageddon. Right. Is it 20, 2419, 2491? I have to look. It's 2419. Right. Um, but yeah, because it's, it's, you know, again, it's, it's someone moving forward in time by, by in that particular case, it was a kind of suspended animation. Right. I mean, um, it's Rip Van Winkle. Right, exactly. Is, is what that well, and, is. And, you know, to, obviously right there, Rip Van Winkle is, in fact, a time, a time travel story. Yeah. It's a specific kind of time travel. Um, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court is time travel. Yes. Uh, and As is Unidentified Flying Oddball. Oh my God! <laughs> You're right. It is. Well, unidentified flying oddball is a Connecticut Yankee in King oh, Arthur's I Court. Know. 
with a space shuttle. Yep. Uh, I actually enjoyed that That movie. gold suit of armor? Yeah, yeah. That was so much fun. It's Dennis Dugan. Yeah. Who ended up being a very prolific director mm-hmm. because his acting career didn't really take off. He could have actually played the same just, character all the time. Yeah, he got, he got cast. He got typecast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he ended up being a, a fairly uh, solid director. I enjoyed that movie. It was. I've got the 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 book, the mm-hmm. novelization around here somewhere. I used to have that. I also used to have the novelization to Condor Man. Oh, and I God. swear to God, I read somewhere that they were talking about doing a reboot of Condor Man, and I was just like, you I do have, that! I have that. I have <laughs> the adaptation. Uh, well, I don't know if I still have it or not. Old Heavenly Dog. I which did not was own that. I did not Chevy own Chase. That. Yeah. Jane Seymour uh-huh. and Benji. Yeah. Because that ben- was a fun movie. Benji was a thing. Yeah, Benji uh, was a thing. Uh, yeah, so it's, um well and then you get in you get into um you get into the television era and you had TV shows. Star Trek certainly did time travel. Yeah. Um and in fact time travel has been not always well. Has become this Star Trek uh uh quick Solve our story problem with time travel because they did it a few times, which on an episodic level sometimes got a little weird. Um, and in the movies, your mileage may vary. I think if they had done the two episode back to back like they had originally planned in the first season, because you had uh, the Naked Time mm-hmm. and they had the reboot, you know, the restart, and they blasted out of the of the the thing and and time moved back Mm -hmm. and what they were supposed to do originally is that one was supposed to jump to the one where they were in the in the 60s and they met up with captain christopher right yeah what was that all our all our not uh return to tomorrow return to i think it was return to tomorrow they were supposed to be back to back they were supposed to air back to back and be a a two-parter and it for whatever reason it didn't work because they didn't do two-parters much back then well they they didn't but it was a logistical thing i think was just like one was done and the other one wasn't or something i I don't know but um but yeah time travel star trek has always been a thing um of course like i said doctor who 1963 yeah uh the time tunnel remember the time tunnel time tunnel yeah james darren and Uh um was it lee merriweather wasn't it Ooh, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that show. It, it was two seasons? One two season? Three, two or three. Two. Um, I think it was two. Uh, but uh, uh, I, that was another show that I think was originally intended to be somewhat educational. Mm. Was to go back in time and then you'd have a little bit of yeah. history lesson. But it also kind of just didn't quite work out that way so much. There, uh, speaking of which, um, and not... Um, not a not a TV or a movie, mm-hmm. since that's the thing. And not to get political, but Rush Limbaugh has a series of books that involve time travel and a talking horse. And is it they're well they're history lessons and it, they're written for they're written for young readers. Is it, is it Mr. Ed? No, it's not Mr. Ed. Sure? It's the talking the talking horse named Liberty. Okay. And they go back their first the first book. They go back and visit the pilgrims, mm-hmm. and there's another book where they visit the founders. You know, sometimes you know Paul Revere or whatever, and there are history lessons about early colonial days for the most part, mm-hmm. and it it involves a time traveling talking horse, which is, sure, it you know you say it out loud and you're like, uh, what? 
but it actually it kind of works. It, mm-hmm. It's not it's not a they're not bad stories. So, uh, yeah, and, and they give you a little you know they give you a little context for the historical setting that you're in, and right. and you know you get a little you get a little history lesson along the way. It's not bad. Okay. Um, Wrinkle in Time, the Wrinkle in Time series. Yes. Uh, more so than the, than the Wrinkle in Time itself, although there is some time travel in the Wrinkle of Time. Uh, but there's the later, uh, the, there's the later series where they really lean into the time travel uh, aspects of it. Uh, I would say there's probably you could probably say that the Narnia books have a little bit of um, of a time dilation. Well, type and, and certainly, sort of yeah, there's there's a they did it, and uh, uh, Stephen Donaldson's uh, Chronicles of Thomas Covenant. Uh, did it with every time Covenant went back to the land uh, centuries or millennia had passed. So he mm-hmm. kept coming back to a world that was radically different than the one that he had just been there six months ago yeah. in his own time. So this, this is something that has shown up in quite a few uh, stories. Yeah, I was going to say, I've only read the first book, but Dragon Riders? Yeah, well, uh, not, to, not to spoil too much, but there is time travel in some of the Dragon Riders books. Yeah. In the later books, um, and it's it's interesting how they accomplish that one. It's one of these. It's it's funny because the dragons of those stories are basically, I'll do it because nobody told me I can't. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the limit of the dragon's abilities. You know, if you tell me I can't do it, then I know I can't do it. But right. otherwise, anything you know, anything goes. This guy's limit. So, um, but yeah, there's um, as a matter of fact, there's a couple of the White Dragon, which is the third book in the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's quite a bit of time travel yeah. involved in that one because Ruth knows exactly when he is all the time. Yeah. So. And as much as you don't like it, Harry Potter. Has some in there as well. There's time travel in Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, because in one of the books, when um, I think it's the if fifth... you're if you're gonna talk, switch to the bump shot so people can see you. Okay, I'll, I'll do that one. Because Uh-oh. you know we have this we, we got a cool bump nice shot. Pretty we have this nice pretty bump shot. We should use uh-huh. it. Use it. Um, but yeah, it, it was in the fifth book. I believe it was the fifth book. But no, no, no. It was, Time turners. Yeah, she, uh, Hermione to take extra classes. She oh. had the necklace that she okay, could turn yeah. so many yeah. times to go so far back. But they had to make sure they didn't run into themselves. See, I read those history. books and I promptly forgot them. They are forgettable books. Um, they're they're easy to read. Not bad. But they are completely forgettable, and I and I don't understand youngsters' fascination. I'm going to say youngsters, millennials, Gen Xers, whoever, who keep this Harry Potter thing alive because they're not that good. It's not Tolkien. Well, I mean, is. it's Harry Potter. I don't have the same reaction to that, but that's okay. And. It's not, go for don't movies. get me wrong. It's not boring. The Harry Potter books are not boring. I think a large part. Of, I think but, a large part of what made the Harry Potter books work is that the books could become more complicated and more adult in the writing style mm-hmm. and and what's going on in the books at roughly the same age as the first 
readers of the first book are yeah, growing up with. I know, and I get that. And I think that but, actually that just that happened to sync up really, really well with that generation of readers. Now, yeah, frankly, a lot of people made the comparison uh, between Harry Potter and Frodo, and you know, you I've, can't make those comparisons. I've because never Harry, had. Harry is such a morally ambiguous character. He is not a hero by any sense of the word. You know, well, the, whole cho- the whole chosen one thing and all of this. He's a child. He can't be. I mean, he's it's not hard, a hero. You know. Harry, well, Harry, Harry Potter's the protagonist, but he is not a hero. Oh, and that's. I don't necessarily have an issue with that. Uh, but it's no. I think it was. I think it was culturally just the time when that particular generation of, of readers. Or whatever age they were starting reading with, adults were reading them too at that age. You know, but it just happened. The stories became more complex in a way that the that the readers were actually becoming more complex with it as well. I would much rather go back and reread the Harry Potter books than read any of the Twilight series. Oh God! Because they're awful. I mean, they're just no. Okay, again. This is my opinion. If you enjoy the Twilight books, all power to you. Absolutely. I'm glad you enjoy them. You can have my copies. I don't have any copies, but you can have my share of the Twilight readership. That's right. And and I but I mean every not you don't have it is perfectly okay to not like <laughs> something. So, you know, I just I had I got my hands on an advanced read I was working for Borders back when the first the first book came out, and I got my hands on an advanced reading copy of Twilight. And I read it and I said well, this is a series that isn't going anywhere. <laughs> Little did you know. Little did I know that apparently it, it latched on. People latched on, it, and that's okay. You know, it, it, I, again, I don't have to. I don't have to be the audience for it. But, um, but that's not our topic. That's not our topic. <laughs> uh, let's get back to it because yeah. I was going to say one last movie, only just to annoy him. Uh, uh, Spaceballs. They went well, back in time now. to see what happened. That's right. But that's not too annoying. That that does that doesn't annoy me. I love Spaceballs. Well, that was it was a I it was a too. cute, clever plot device. When is this happening now? Where is this now? Now, <laughs> right. fi- I want to go back to then. In a, can't. In a film which is about seventy percent cute plot devices and and See, really the bad face. jokes. There's the face. Twenty five percent good movie. It doesn't age well. Oh, but that does make me think of another time travel movie time travel story because it's based on a book yeah a series of books planet of the apes oh yeah uh-huh because uh, you have the the time dilation where uh he comes back taylor comes back to earth and earth maybe and earth because there's there's the in the original french novel um and if you get if you get a chance go back and read the original novel it is somewhat different than the I version, than the adaptation that we got to the film version. I have um, an English version, and I have um, you, you Van. Let me uh, it, so it's it's interesting, and and surprisingly enough, as a novel go, as a novels go, it ages pretty well. It is very it, the novel itself is in fact a product of its time. Uh, it reads very much like a like uh, if you if you know what was going on in in France and politics and culture and that sort of stuff there's there's definitely things you can get some references from so when we were shooting the statement of Randolph Carter, yeah uh-huh. one of the things that we were doing is is that we had decided very early on that we were going to do it as a period piece so right. it's set in 1921 mm-hmm. ish and we needed 
a lot of old books because right. mm -hmm. we were filming at Miskatonic University and we needed to have all this reference material for the for the, for the professors stuff. And I went to a library clearance. Mm -hmm. We're getting rid of all of these library books. And I'm going through it and I said, okay, well, I need to find a bunch of old hardbacks. Right. And if they're not in English, so much the better. So I got some stuff that was in Arabic and some stuff. And I picked this one up and I'm looking through it. Oh, it's in French. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, and it looks really, you know, it's really old. And I'll look at the thing. Wait a minute. I'm looking at that. And I look at the, I look at the... The title, mm -hmm. La, La Planeta des Things, I can't even pronounce it because I don't speak French, but the, the name of the author, Pierre Boulle, I looked at it and I went, that's Planet, Planet of, the of the Apes. Apes. Yeah. And then <laughs> I look at the inside here and I think it's been recovered. Yeah, it has been. I can it's been you, recovered. I can, tell you, I can tell you that. This looks like a first printing. Because the date on it is 1963, and it doesn't have any other dates on it. Uh, it may very well be. I Re snatched this rebound, thing. So it's it rebound, have a, yeah. but it's, so it's not as valuable. But I'm like, is this a first edition? And it's in the library? Who did that? Well, uh, um, uh, the first, the, the American publishing now and international publishing, never, oh. I All do have things. an English version. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, you can definitely definitely look at that. Um, uh, oh, for heaven's sakes! Um, time after time. Yeah. Which uh, was a novel first, and then made into a film starring Rodney McDowell. Uh, Rodney McDowell, and then there was also uh, they did a remake of it, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, AB, I think ABC did it. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, the the film version ends up being a lot cuter than it ought to be, considering uh, David Warner plays Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Um, but it's got Roddy McDowell and Mary Steenburgen, and, and um, uh, Time and Again, which is a different book and a different movie, um, with Superman himself. Christopher is this Reed. the one with with Jane Seymour and Jane Seymour? Is that what that was called? Yeah, time and again. Ta time and again. Uh huh. No, that's not. No. Time to uh, a time uh, somewhere in time. Somewhere in time. Um, I know this one. I think you're probably right, but I believe. Wow. Sonia just went up there to where they filmed this. Yeah, Everybody she did. Has been up there actually. I before. haven't. No, I'm saying this year. What was time and again? I stand corrected. It's somewhere in time is not actually a adaptation of time and again. I honestly thought it was. It's a similar theme. It's but never. It's out. never been adapted into a film. It, it Robert Redford at one point was was thinking about doing an adaptation uh, or being. Well, there's a few and, here. There's a time and again listed from 2004. There's another one in 2007 as a TV movie. There's Ben 10 Race Against Time. Uh, Somewhere in Time is based on a Richard Matheson novel, Big Time yes. Return. That's the one I'm thinking of. But Time and Again is also uh, Jack Finney's uh, time travel um, novel. The there has been there have been some interesting um, interesting explorations of time romances through time. 
um, the lake house, the lake with, house, uh, Keanu Reeves and, and Sandra Bullock. And so that sort of thing actually happens a lot in fiction that's sort of connecting across times. Um, the, uh, uh, back to the future, certainly back to the future. Uh, Asimov's the end of eternity. Uh, Tim Powers, the Anubis gates, uh, Tim Powers. I've talked about him before. Um, he's a really fantastic writer who seems to just slide under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, I highly recommend his books. Definitely check out his stuff. Uh, but the Anubis Gates is a time travel uh, thriller um, about um, body hopping and evil corporations and just I mean, to, like all of his like all of his books, there's a thrilling adventure novel. Yeah. Uh, uh, in there with these great science fiction concepts. Again, he's the one whose uh, whose book, book on Stranger Tides was butchered into a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, Speaking of body, read, read his stuff. Body jumping, Immortality Inc. Yeah, 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 which was the basis for the movie Free Jack, which completely changes just about everything. No, and yes, but, uh, on the other hand, it's got Mick Jagger playing a bad guy, and that is worth the it price is, of admission. It is. I mean, Mick Jagger <laughs> chews the scenery so well at that movie. It, it is, is so fun. He's, so, he's such a wonderfully um, immoral, unethical, completely yeah. situational ethics character. It's so much fun to watch it. I just have a tough time thinking, uh, trying trying to reconcile Emilio Estevez with, with Rene Russo. Because the two just don't yeah. have any any chemistry at all. Uh, it's Anthony Anthony Hopkins um, uh, pre Silence of the Lambs, mm. um, chewing up the scenery as yeah. the rich evil dude. But the story in Immortality Inc. is rather interesting because it's you know this guy is he's snatched because he's about to have a car he's in the middle of a car wreck, so he gets snatched. And brought forward in time, mm-hmm. so that somebody else can inhabit his body, right. and or or he comes forward and he inhabits another body, mm-hmm. if if I remember it right. And something goes wrong, and he's not supposed to be where he's supposed to be. And there's you know the fugitive type of story after that. And I thought it was rather interesting, mm-hmm. um, especially given how different it was from Free Jack. Yeah, and you run into that also with Armageddon twenty four nineteen or twenty four ninety one. I gotta look it up. The original Buck Rogers story is a lot different from, say, the Gil Gerard TV show. Oh, sure. Or you know, or a lot of the comic strips for the comic book adaptations. Yeah, too. so there's there's that. You know, speaking of Anubis, there's time travel in Stargate as mm-hmm. well. Sure. There's a couple of yeah. uh, a couple of those. One where they did it really by accident. And another one where like, well, hey, we figured out how we can travel in time. Let's go in time. And then of course there's the time loop, mm-hmm. which is one of the one of the most fun episodes when uh, when O'Neill, O'Neill and Teal'c get stuck in a loop over and over and over and over yep. and over and over again. That, that's that's a fun episode. We haven't gotten have we we haven't gotten to episode two hundred yet though. Ah, no. <laughs> And we're taking a time off right now to We've started Farscape. Farscape. We've started Farscape. So that's uh that's a thing now because I wanna get I wanna now get there's time, to there's, speed. There's time travel in Farscape too. Well there's time travel in all of the well, science fiction shows. And I was gonna sit there and just drop in how much because I, I love the show. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. 
I mean, they're all over the place. I'm just going to throw that in for fun. It's a fun, it is, it is a fun show. It's a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, which is always guilty pleasure. Well, and that's what makes that show work. Yeah. If it was anywhere close to the other CW shows, oh, as far as as take ourselves seriously. Yeah, it it would, it wouldn't fly. Oh, speaking of, Mm -hmm. um, we could talk about the first Superman movie. Because there's time travel in that movie. And there was almost time travel in if Superman 2 had been the original, planned the original way, or filmed filmed the original way and yeah. completed the original way, it also would have had time travel. Well, it would have had it, the first one wouldn't. Ah, right, it's, yeah. Yeah, because the time, they moved right. the time travel to the first movie because if you look at the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, the, the spinning back thing was the end of that movie. Yeah. And they ended up putting into the first one and killing Lois Lane. Spoilers for a movie that was out in '78. Um, but she, that whole piece wasn't supposed to be in there. Right. Um, what else? Um, Slaughterhouse Five. Is that time travel? Lots of time travel in Slaughterhouse Five. Um, so that's your Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Um, and I, I highly recommend. I always recommend Kurt Vonnegut. If nothing else. His books are always really interesting. Uh, and um, Connie Willis's To Say Nothing of the Dog, the Outlander series for a lot of folks are... That's, sure, uh, sure. Uh, for, you're talking about time travel romance. Yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you haven't read the books and you're, you're a fan of the TV show, then I would recommend going back and reading the books. I, I, I don't watch the TV show currently because I just don't have time, but I've heard from people who friends of mine who have watched it and read the books, and as much as they love the, the TV show, the mm-hmm. TV show is doing a very good job with adapting the books. The books are still richer, and, and the books are fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of I, I've I've read <clears throat> I haven't read the entire series. I've read a couple of them, and I, and I thought they were very well. Yeah, I've gotten through. I want to say maybe book six out of all of them, and I had to stop because it's just with as much. I mean, you have the story, but. Every all the other content, you know, whether it's history stuff and all that, it just it overwhelms your mind at some point. And you just gotta like, okay, yeah, they're, I gotta they're stop. Very well but researched. They are Speaking amazing. Of time travel romance, yes, we have yet to mention time bangers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we. Uh, uh, in fact, there's a copy. You've got a copy on your shelf over there. I've a got copy. a copy on, on mine. You on, wrote. You wrote the review. I wrote. I we've, we we've each interviewed the authors, and they are they are they're a hoot. they are charming, are you, fun fun ladies. Uh, and if you get a chance, if you if you are not easily and it's signed. If you are not particularly prudish. Oh, it is. Yeah, they 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 signed them. They signed them. They signed them. Um, and they are. They're a little, they're a little racy, they're a little raunchy, uh, a little bit, a little, a little, a little lot. So, uh, but they are fun. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if that sort of stuff, and you know, if you're okay with that sort of stuff, I recommend it just it's, for the fact that it's fun. basically, basically what this story is about. This, it's a series of books. Yep. There's two or three of them now. Um, they're bored. They figure out time travel. They use time travel to go back and have relations. The word is sex. We're looking for the word with historical sexier. figures. Yeah, so I and love they the are fact fun. it's they're fun books. I, I mean, love the fact that the time machine is a shower. It's just <laughs> they're fun. Anyway, they're fun. Um, Stephen Baxter did the time ships. We got. I'm going to try and get through a bunch of these here. Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> <laughs> also, from I mean, uh, that also was about, a good movie. Also, uh, about, to 
Okay, it is not a great film. No. But it is a good way to kill an hour and a half. It's, yeah. enterta- would you, it's entertaining. Would nonsense. you consider a Christmas Carol time travel? Um, of a sort? Of a sort. Certainly, certainly um, when you are given a vision of the past or a vision of the future, you can argue that is time travel. Uh, because you're seeing through time, you're mm. experiencing through time. Um, there've been uh, certainly doors into time, are however it's generated is part of a lot of the science fiction of time travel. Is that the, a, a gateway the is opened? Um, you have uh, um, whether it's uh, 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 Crichton's um, Michael Crichton's uh, oh. uh, oh, for heaven's sakes. Um, Sphere? Well, Sphere certainly is one of them. Um, no, it's... Hold on, I've got it right here. Thomas Thomas mentions Ice Pirates. Timeline. 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 Yeah. Um, uh, Ice Pirates, yes, sure. Time Bandits. Time Bandits, um, which the only reason I'm not completely frothing in the mouth about the remake is it's um, the director. And I'm... Still if it a, gets made. If it gets made. I, I will be okay if it doesn't, because it's one of those films where it's just like, just go watch the original. So let me ask you this, because this is... this is Oh, Guns, oh, of, the, oh, Guns of the South. Turtle huh? Dove. Harry Turtle Dove's Guns oh. of the South. Well, Turtle Dove's, Turtle Dove's done a whole series of alternate history sure, type but, but, of Sure, but, but Guns of the South is actually time travel. Yeah. It's They actually go back, and, and the Confederacy is given modern weaponry. And, of course, it changes the history. Uh, it's not the only time travel uh, story he's done, but yeah, his he does his alternate history of World War Two, World War Two with aliens. Um, there's been and there's been other ones like that. Yeah. Uh, certainly, where there've been you know, um, what's the series where they go back in time to it's ancient Rome, basically it's modern tech. Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, but there's there's it's a it's a it's a subsection of science fiction you can find a lot of these stories and some of them are really really interesting explorations of what if there is a series of books from peter david that starts with first night i think or something like that Mm. and it is king arthur yeah waking up in modern day new york Mm -hmm. and merlin is a child yeah because he's he's, aging backwards he's aging backwards and so it's been that long yeah and Guinevere, of course, has been reincarnated, as has Lancelot, and Arthur has to find them, mm-hmm. and all of the, you know, ensuing uh, craziness. And Camelot chaos three thousand. Remember who wrote Camelot three thousand? Oh, who did that? Was that? Because that's a far future version of the same the same concept. Wasn't that DC Comics? It was DC. Yeah. Was that Paul uh, uh, Levitz? Paul Levitz? Maybe. I have to see if we can look that up. Um, I'll look that up. Uh, a Sound of Thunder by Rand Bradbury. No. Uh, has been made into a film, which I cannot recommend uh, because it's not good. Uh, but the consequences, time travel is, uh, you know, resulting, you know, the, the ripple effect of, uh, through time. Mike Barr. Mike Barr. With art by Brian Bolland. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The art, the, the artwork is really, really good. Uh, and it's a fascinating uh, reimagining of the, the Camelot yeah. mythos. And there was a... There was a, a movie, and I don't know if it was based on anything or not. There was a it was a time travel movie where the professor got stuck in the past, and they had to go back and find him. They had to go back and rescue him, and I don't remember what it was. Um, then of course you got Time Cop. 
which the time I tracks. Which I have to say, I really enjoyed Time Cop. Not the Time Cop TV series. <laughs> the Time Cop movie. It is not a great film. It is very much a product of its time. It is that 1980s, 19, early 90s action-adventure mm. Jean-Claude Van Damme. But it's actually one of my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Not my favorite one. My favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie is not a, it's not a genre f- picture. It's, it's the one where he's playing Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Is it, is it, isn't it J, JCVD? Isn't that what it's yeah. called or something? There, where he's in the bank. I'm like, mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme can act. Oh, yeah. This is good. Uh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man, yes, which is um, another film that I could definitely say is probably not a good movie, but I'll <laughs> it's tell you what. fun. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Uh, if I can find it here, I will tell you the name. Uh, Replicant. Replicant is my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, uh, okay. Sure. Michael Rooker is the, is the co-lead in that, mm. and Jean-Claude Van Damme plays two characters, because he's good at playing two characters, one of which is completely against type. He plays an innocent who is uh, afraid and and basically he's been he's the clone of this uh, uh, horrific killer that they have made so they can try and track him down for movie reasons. Sure. Um, and uh, Michael Rooker is the cop who's got to deal with this and who has his own personal reasons for hating this this. Cr- Entity that looks like this man he hates, mm-hmm. um, and Jean Claude Van Damme again proves he can act. Yeah, uh, a much earlier film that was uh, two thousand and one. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, tal- he's he's actually a talented uh, performer. Who knew? Um, there was another one that I thought of. Um, oh well, you had the TV series Voyagers. Yeah, uh-huh. with John Eric Hexum sure. and Nino Palus. Mm-hmm. Um. What else? There was another one. Just... On the horror oh. side of things, Dean Koontz uh, has dealt with time travel in several of his books. Yeah. Hi, Robert. Uh, 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 Lightning, for one. Um, and uh, I know that, that Dean Koontz, for some reason, I mean, he's... Your mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary. I, I, overall, I've enjoyed a lot of his books. He's leaned, he's uh, Mr. X is his Lovecraft novel, and there's all these different things. Where he, he 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 enjoys playing with some of these things, and I think some of his books have actually come up pretty well. Did Douglas Adams write time travel? You ever do any time travel movie um, or, or or a book? Pretty sure that. But, yo, no, yeah, yeah. wasn't one of one of the Hitchhiker's books. There's time travel in Hitchhiker's, time travel. but there's also I think in Dirk Gently there's also because uh, no. Dirk Dirk Gently. Um, he took a lot of stuff from his not completed Doctor Who ideas. Uh, kind of migrated. Professor Cronitis uh, from uh, Shedda mm. moved over into a version of that, moved over into the, Doug, into the Dirk Gently books. So Quantum let me ask you this. Since what? Quantum Leap. Quantum, Quantum Leap? Leap? Sure. Quantum Leap. Oh, boy. All right. So. <laughs> Lots of great stuff. Me- mentioning Doctor Who. Mm hmm. Fixed points in time. I'm so so sorry. Let's let's step out of stories for a minute. Let's look at our stories. Is there for you 
a point in your life where you look at it and say, that's the fixed point in time. If that changes, everything changes. Sure, sure. Okay. And that can't change because if it changes, then I lose all yeah, of this. Yeah, because it's an interesting thought experiment because you look at some of these science fiction stories and a lot they're, they're people changing their own past. Mm-hmm. They're changed or, or trying to. Yeah. Um, uh, butterfly effect. However you feel about them, there's some interesting explorations in the the negative effects mm-hmm. uh, in in that Ashton Kutcher movie. Um, yeah, there's two for me. Um, one is the birth of my daughter. Right. Um, there was. You know, we were, and, and it's interesting. You know, a little little personal background. My ex-wife and I were very, both very, very young. We were not expecting to. My ex-wife was never trying to be able to have kids, so we were rather surprised. Uh, and and we went through the we went through the range of considerations of what we were going to do because we were young. There could have been other choices we made, yeah. and we made the choice that we did. And and, and my kid is around, uh, and grown up, and and that was the decision that that was right for us, and. So my life would be completely different, and the other would be getting into therapy when I was thirty. Yeah. The four years, the four years I spent having a, a very, very smart uh, psychiatrist uh, help me dig around in my own head and get my emotional state where it needed to be. Because other than that, um, I don't know. Well, I'd probably be. Uh, I, you know what? I'd be. I'd be around. I'd be doing. I'd be. I'd be functional. Because I was I was functional before, yeah. I'd be miserable, and I'd probably be uh, uh, my liver would probably be completely <laughs> wrecked because I, yeah. I I wasn't exactly living in a bottle, but I could I could I was sitting on the very lip. close friends with it. I was sitting, I was I was self medicating, yeah. and because I was dealing with chronic depression. So um, those two things really I mean because because moving to Kansas City as much as I as much as I um, like being here I like I, I like my life I like the friends I've made I like the the environment that I, I found myself in because of the people that are part of my life now. Um, I know that if if I had chose to go somewhere else, I would have found that because I was at a place where I could make friends. Right. Uh, and, and honestly, if I hadn't gotten therapy, um, so so that's here's here's my little plug, just in the little public service announcement. If you need help, yes. if you are concerned. If you think that you need someone to talk to, find someone because it's the best thing you can do is to have someone to talk to. And 99% of the time, there is someone there that you can talk to. Yeah. You just have to be willing to just take that step and open and up a little bit. Scary. Oh, it it is. could be terrifying. It is scary. But for, please do. For me, the fixed point in time was in 1988. Mm hmm when I decided which college to go to. Mm. Because if I had gone to the college I should have gone to, (laughs) none of this would be anywhere. It would, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be anywhere around here anymore. anymore. Um, But I decided to go to Oklahoma Christian College instead of Harding University. And that decision Sent me spiraling off into a terrible dark place. No, no. And it's, here we and are. And here we are in the room um, with your wife. Good well, <laughs> going, buddy. With my second wife because I upgraded. Yeah, yeah um, okay, get it right this time. That's but the, it, it, you know, you talk about because every now and again we, you know, if you could go back, sure, if you could right, go back yeah. and talk to yourself and tell yourself things, I don't mm-hmm. think God. There's plenty of places where I would tell myself. 
don't do that. There's yeah. a there's another point when I was a student at University of North Texas that it's another it's another not necessarily a fixed point, but it's it's a fixed point following the first fixed point that I walked away from a door that was closed in my face. And if I hadn't, yeah. life would have been completely different. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I can, you know, the, the, if, the if I'd made that choice, the sliding doors <laughs> theory, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, if I had gone to the school that I had been accepted at, that um, uh, if I had, you know, University of Arizona. I'd been, ex- I'd, I'd been accepted at University of Arizona, I was accepted at K-State. Um, financially speaking, mm. my parents could send me to K State. It would have been covered. This was back. This is back in the late '80s when you could go to college and not walk away with a bazillion dollars in debt. Um, and it was actually it was a state school that was pretty affordable. Well, and you lived in state, so I lived in state. Uh, but it also, even so, I mean, when you, I mean, I got a five hundred dollars scholarship. For my freshman year, and it was like a significant. It, it bit into a significant chunk of the first semesters. Yeah. So the the cost of education is way too expensive right now, considering that I, the the quality of the education that I got in that de- in that time period, it just means you know we need to figure that out. Anyway, if I hadn't gone to Arizona, everything right. would have been different. Um, if I had, if I had not moved back to Wichita, because I stayed I stayed in Manhattan, Kansas after I graduated from K State. Um, for three years after I graduated, I was working as assistant manager of a used bookstore, having a wonderful time. And like you do. And we had talked about talked about opening a store in Lawrence, and talked about it, and talked about it, could not find a location in Lawrence that what we wanted we wanted to be down on Mass. Sure. Uh, and just there wasn't anything there. And then one day I was just like, okay, you know, I have to, I have to, I, have, I need to change things. I got to do something else with my, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to leave. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like I'm, I'm in a rut, and so I decided that I was going to move back to Wichita and I was going to try something else. And um, six months later, Diane Meredith, my my old boss there, found a location in in Lawrence, <laughs> and the Lawrence Dusty Bookshelf is doing extremely well. And it would have there. been it would have been my story. <laughs> there are there are moments that I look look at, you know my life and the things the decisions and the choices that I've made that you sit there and go god why did I do that you know sure. the, thing, the things you could just kick yourself over mm-hmm. and I think okay well I, I if I could go back I don't know that I would do it because then everything changes you know, what's oh JLK's in? Yes, you can. It's zero dollars. Telegraph operators would be more. Used. Oh, he's responding to Robert's comment about the about the gender studies degree. Um, the, it's the it's the moment where you sit there and go, that could ch-, you know, if I did that differently, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. everything would be different. But I wouldn't have my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, my my son Devin wouldn't have wouldn't be wouldn't have been here, and and I wouldn't have James now, and that that stops the whole thing right yeah. there, dead in his tracks. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't change anything 
because then you lose what you've got. Right. And the thing is, is that th- that that effect. And you don't know if anything would be better. Right. Yeah. The effect rolls forward. So, the as I get older, my you know if if I had if I had not moved to Kansas City in two thousand and five, I'd still have my kid. I'd still have you know da, 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 there'd be a yeah. lot of things, but I wouldn't have the things a lot of the things that I value now. I'd have something different, and maybe it would be better, maybe it would be worse. Uh, and it's a it's a neat thought experiment. There's a oh no, I'm going to draw a blank on the book title, and this is a real shame because I actually really really like the book. It's a guy who finds himself. He has a heart attack as a 50-something-year-old man. And uh, he dies. And he wakes up as his 18-year-old self. And he gets to relive his life and make the changes. Yeah. And then he gets to one day shy of when he died. And he has a heart attack. And he dies. And he wakes wakes up one day later. And it just his light. He keeps. He gets. He gets a chance to. I think it might actually be called rewind. Um, and he discovers along the way that he he meets someone else who is doing the same thing, has right. having the same experience. But he gets a chance to reboot his life every time, and keeps finding something out that it doesn't actually. It's always different. Right. It's like Groundhog Day. But it's not necessarily better. It's I am, a fast. It's a. I thought, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it is called Rewind. I'm reading a book right now called Echoes of War. It's a brand new. It's a brand new book. It's a debut novel. I can't remember who wrote who wrote it. It's upstairs, um, but it's aliens have invaded Earth, and they look like us, but they have the ability to regenerate. If they die, they regenerate as their younger self, and then they they start aging again. They're called echoes, mm-hmm. and so every time every time one of them dies, they regenerate into a younger version. And for the lead character, whenever it happens to her, she can't remember anything. She doesn't remember any of her previous lives, and she's now you know she's. Uh, it looks like she's going to end up being the leader of the resistance or whatever in this, how it goes. Um, and it's so far, it's not a bad book. Um, the beginning of it felt a little tropey, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the setup. I'm like, oh, well, I kind of see where this is going, but it's, it it's held my interest so far. It's not called Rewind. I can definitely tell. I, it's, I, right. I'm gonna have to. I'll have to try and figure out what the name of the book is. But uh... JLK says, "I love the butterfly effect." Ha- also has a strange question that came up in one of my classes in the past. Would you strangle baby Hitler? And we're following Back to the Future time travel rules. So the problem, the problem with uh, would I strangle baby Hitler? Um, so the question is: this is this is the uh, this is the streetcar. This is the streetcar experiment. Uh. This is the would you um, would you kill one person to save? more people would you allow one person to die would you i mean there's variations on it but the streetcar experiment is basically you know um streetcar is out of control it's full of it's full of 
passengers, you know, right. and, and and you know, would you do you turn the streetcar this way and run down one person, or allow the streetcar to crash or to run into another crowd? That's variations on the theme, um, and it's not a fair question. And it's and and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that it's a perfectly valid question, but it's it's a it's the answer is. Could you know? Hitler was a product of a lot of things. Hitler's rise to power was a product of a lot of things. He wasn't an, doing it in a vacuum. And there were a lot of people around him who were smarter and more stable than he was. And we actually kind of lucked out considering how bad. A military strategist he turned out to be well and, and how unstable his, he turned out to be and his rise to power would probably not have happened if world war one had gone differently sure and it wouldn't have also have happened if the economy the german economy hadn't cratered um if there hadn't already been um an existing strain of anti-semitism that was running through german culture mm -hmm. um if there hadn't already been uh if 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 what was going on in italy Hadn't been going on at the same time, you know. So, so the answer is, would I, in a in a as a thought experiment, the answer would be yes. But, but. the problem is, is I don't think because because you know it would have been worse if Himmler had been the Führer because Himmler well, was just as warped and just as evil a person, but he was a lot smarter than Hitler was. Well, and the other thing, too, is if you eliminate Hitler from the timeline, you might or might not eliminate the threat of what he became. Sure. Because... Somebody else might have slipped into that role. As Spock says, nature abhors a vacuum. Right. And there is something about... Like you're saying, this confluence of of all of these different things that were going on, you know, if you get rid of Hitler, somebody else well, and would you, and, have probably risen right because the, the, the the cultural the, the thing was there, the mentality was there, and and he wasn't alone in in the mindset and that organ the various groups he was a part of. He wasn't the only person part of them. The idea that one person is actually a linchpin is certainly um, we it's a it's an attractive story we tell ourselves sometimes mm -hmm. but most of the time these people were you know part of something bigger if you took out Stalin yeah or Mao or right you'd have someone else who was in that place because the situation was ripe for that yeah. um, you know yes the uh, I don't know, um, if uh, if if, you know, the question, the qu more interesting question, I think, becomes what happens if the Tsar, if, if they hadn't, if the White Revolution hadn't happened in Russia, you know, if they hadn't had, you know, the, the th overthrowing the Tsars and, and removing that the essentially the, you know, king subject right. model, uh, what happened, it, what would happen if, uh, you know, you didn't have Germany um, and Austria, you know, what the Austrian Empire continued, and there's that's explored in in, in some alternate history books. Um, so the question is, on one hand, yes, because Hitler was a monster, and removing him 
would probably have a net positive effect. At the However, same time, though, eliminating him before he's the monster, then you're in the moral quandary of. But then you're are, then you're in the you, if you're then just, you're in the Captain you Cisco then yeah. you're in the Captain Cisco uh, staring into the camera saying, "This is this is wrong. I completely admit that this is wrong, and I don't regret my actions." No. But I will say this though that we that for getting rid of Hitler, while attractive, um, a lot of good came out of the aftermath of World War II. A lot as, of as things usually do when some terrible thing happens. We and and it's a good reminder for for uh, any any period of time, and I don't uh, it is is remembering that. When when real evil really does manifest itself, that good people do fight back against it, um, and for all the for all the, the the tragic loss of life that World War II led to, it was there's a reason we say it was our last good war mm. because there were good guys. And there were bad guys. And the bad guys were obviously bad guys. And you, you did. Yeah. There was, you know. And in war, that's you're you're rarely lucky that war gets to be that no. clean. JOK says he'd live the the past alone if time travel was possible, unless it was an immediate act that hasn't registered massive consequences. That's another form of time travel, mm -hmm. where you do something. And it takes a little while to set into place. Right. Um, there was, was it, was it yesterday's Enterprise that played with this notion that, because when Enterprise C came forward and changed the timeline, right. it was still in flux. It hadn't yeah. permanently set in place. And there's a couple of other stories that have done that kind of thing, too, where you make a change, it takes a little bit for it to cement mm -hmm. and be done and fixed, and you can't change it anymore unless you go back and change it again. Well, that's, I think it's one of the things that, that, that films like The Butterfly Effect or, or uh, the, the story version of A Sound of Thunder mm. uh, explore is the, the ripple effect of time and how it... Uh, it affects the world that we live in sometimes, sometimes very, very quickly if, if you're sort of, sort of outside observing it, yeah. but uh, also just sort of seeing it sort of flow into ways that we don't understand and can't comprehend and don't want. No. So. If time travel was available, would you go back? To any point, just to just so to do it. If uh, yes, um, but I, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things we don't tend to think about and don't tend to show up in the literature of, or, or certainly not in the movies because they don't have a lot of time. It does yeah. tend to show up more in the literature, um, which is the fact that the past was filthy. <laughs> the past was a sewer and that's not to to, to bash our bash our ancestors it's the fact that we tend to we tend to not realize how much cleanliness uh -huh. and and sanitation is relatively recent in human history we talk about the you know the roman aqueducts and all that stuff 
they were not the cleanest of people. Right. They were cleaner than some of their neighbors. And there are a lot of diseases that we that are gone. We don't deal with those. Those diseases have been wiped out. There are a lot of them <laughs> existed not that long ago. There's a lot of risks to it. It literally would be like going to another planet. And that's something you have to think about when you think about time. But would I, if it was completely safe, if there was no way of interfering with the timeline, if I could go back and observe? Wear your bubble. Yeah, of course. I'd love, I'd love, there's all kinds of things I'd love to see. I mean, literally, I'd, lo I'd love to go back. Can you imagine going back and going back and seeing a real live dinosaur? I was just at the Natural History Museum at a conference right. in D.C. last week. And this, the bones, I mean, looking at the bones is just amazing. Mm. But can you imagine seeing what they really looked like? Did they have feathers? We're pretty <laughs> sure they have feathers now. Wouldn't it be cool to see? I Ten years from now, nobody will be convinced they had feathers. The, all the science will change again. But at, le but, but at least, though, we actually have some fossil evidence that there seems, I mean, some of that stuff is, implies that there are actually feathers. So that yeah, at least is... quills. Sure, okay. That would be awesome too. But I so that kind of thing would be amazing, you know. Um I'd be a little concerned about trying to go back to like the creation of the earth because uh I don't how I would be a little concerned about the safety my little safe safe little bubble because, you know, planets forming seems to be a little bit messy. Well, see the thing with violent. Is, though, depending on your belief system, are you setting that time travel clock for four to six thousand years or ten million years? Yeah. Um, I would be, I, because I'm going to lean toward the 10 millions because, uh, uh, Bishop Usher was just a guy with, you know, bad math in my opinion, but, um, I mean, you know, it, it, it really becomes an interesting question of, of when, when you would go and what you would be willing to see. Would you, would you want to know that things that you do believe, if you could go back and see them, what if they're wrong? That's a concern, you know? I mean, would you, would it be you know, and and would you be able to resist the urge to meddle? Because I've met humanity. Yeah, I would. I would not meddle. want to go back. I would not want to go back at all. I think it would just be fascinating to see. As long as I could, as long as I didn't have to worry about breaking things. No, I broke the timeline. This is very bad. Now well, the, speak. The the concern I would have would be going into the future because. There are times I worry about humanity. Gray's Sports Almanac. Yeah. And I think that part of me would just be, I, I, if I can just hold on to the optimistic thought that we're not going to blow ourselves up or wipe ourselves out or the machines are going to come and get us or, I'm, although I'm telling you, um, having dealt with GPS a lot <laughs> in the last, uh, last week, I'm convinced that when the machine uprising happens, we don't have anything to worry about because they're going to be in a field going, the humans are supposed to be here. I can't find anything. And it's like, it says they're here. And we're going to be around the corner going. Recalculating. Recalculating. Um, I'm just, I, uh, I'm not. A... <laughs> uh, Super JLK, did anyone care about the ridiculous of ter Terminator time travel when the first two films came out? I don't think it was as much of a thing back then. I mean, no. you're in 1984. Time travel was a gimmick. But the thing is that once you got past, once you got past the second film, which had your beginning and middle and end for the two of them. That's when it went. Because because once you start trying with different stories, again we come back to the people asking questions, why don't they just send back more terminators? Why don't they etc etc etc. So, no, at the time it wasn't sort of and there also wasn't so much time travel stuff in pop culture. Remember again that the, the the 
the science fiction becoming a mainstream entertainment, while it certainly existed, you know, it this island, thing, yeah. this island Earth, uh, uh, you know, the George Powell Time Machine. I mean, these movies were out there. You know, TV shows. Yeah, but they weren't. They weren't the massive pop culture right, event yeah. thing that they are and, now. And the sequel and sequelitis. However, you feel about the next story in your particular franchise of choice um, wasn't really a thing. I mean, the fact that there was a Terminator Two was kind of like, yeah, this was this was huh. back because before Star Wars, I don't think you had very many sequels. You, you had the sequel to like a western. Yeah, true well, Grit, Rooster Cogburn. Yeah, true. And, and Magnificent Seven yeah. had a sequel or yeah. two, um, but they but were there really weren't. But they were rarities. Yeah, yeah. There, there, it wasn't a thing until Star Wars. No, not really. Certainly not in 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 the mainstream genre. What we've come to think of as mainstream. Well, genre films. okay, Robert has a good point. James Bond movies. Sure, but they're episodic. They're not technically sequels. It's a it's a series of films. Yeah, in fact, and, it, it, and I would say that one counts. It does count. But although although I would also say that until the Daniel Craig films came along, the attempt to actually make it a coherent A to B to C yeah. serialized timeline was not an important part of the franchise. No, it, just, it simply wasn't. It was, and and especially when you consider, I think, really post. Well, once Roger Moore started playing the part, um, the idea... Although his dead wife was a, a recurring thing, thing after that. Yeah. Yeah, after um, Lazenby. But it certainly was uh, uh, more, leaning more into the episodic nature, the idea these are just isolated things, not worrying about continuity as much from one film to the other. Now, the, the Daniel Craig, and I, and I think, honestly, from this point on... It's highly unlikely that we'll go back to a complete episodic thing because we we are we're used to the to the to the ongoing storyline of our characters. Unless they reboot uh, with with the new the next actor to play James Bond, that would be the point where they could do something like that. They could, but I, I, again, I think audiences at this point we're we like our serialized storytelling. We like our but l- that story raises arcs. the question though if. When when Daniel Craig is done playing James Bond, mm-hmm. one and, more, and a new guy steps in, mm-hmm. would they reset the clock? And that's and a good then question. that's the beginning of the next thread of stories, or would they try to continue what they've set up in the Craig book uh, stories? And, go and, and and the thing is, is that Bond is kind of Bond is kind of like Doctor Who in that regard, is that you. Mm-hmm. You have a chance, to, you know. You could you do five films. That's ten years. That's ten fifteen years of, of an actor playing the part, mm-hmm. and you can kind of almost do a complete reboot at that point. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that we live long enough that you can now have three or four reboots of the same character. You're like Spider Man. Do, do I really need to see another new yep. new James Bond movie? JLK has, has a good point. Star Wars also one of the first to introduce a continuous narrative, starting with Empire. Because most films at the time, beginning, middle, and end, sure. that's the movie, it's done, goes away. Right. Although, you could argue Star Wars was written to be a one-off Yeah. if there never was a sequel. <laughs> if we had never gotten Empire Strikes Back or any of the rest of them, Star Wars still works as a standalone film. Right, and and for all the good that, that Star Wars is in, in culture and, and entertainment... 
we also have to bear in mind that it was also the beginning of the merchandising. Oh yeah, it was it was uh, a paradigm shift for so many different things. And for good and for ill, it was yeah. the beginnings of the merchandising. Uh, it's why we sometimes get uh, cartoons that are based around toys or or Batman and Robin. Or Batman and Robin. <laughs> that is, is that is such an interesting documentary on that movie. Um, okay, so it is almost ten o'clock here. We've gone about two hours. Like We've we traveled forward in time. Forward in time. Look at that. Well, and and you know, last weekend we had. Um, what daylight savings right switch. yeah uh-huh. you know yeah. we we traveled backwards in time an hour just like that well it was always one artificial matter it was always that thought if you talk about time travel when having that extra hour it's the perfect hour to create a or to um commit a crime of some sort because technically you were somewhere at two uh, something in the morning and then you were at somewhere it do something in the morning. Did Again. you see uh, that? Makes me think. Don't you, think that's going to hold up in court. You, <laughs> you go ahead and go with that. You go ahead and go with that defense. I, I will. We'll we'll leave with this. Do you remember the twins doing the time travel gag? This was a thing, and I don't know. There were, there was an article about it, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, I think there's video. There were I think four sets of twins, and. They decided to do a time travel gag hmm. where they all dressed the same, you know, the right. twins, they dressed the same as each other. Mm-hmm. And the one set did the thing, right? And the other set came on and said, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> you know, came, came from the future. And of course, everybody was like, what the heck is going on? And people, people were trying to figure out what is this? And you absolute dumbfounded looks on, on people's face because they think we're in a subway or something. And it, it, we'll have to look this up. Time travel twins. It's a, it's a gag that they did. And they pulled it off. Yeah. There were people that actually thought, hold on, wait a minute. Um, but it was, it was rather funny. So. Uh, the, um, and, and leaving on a science note, of course, there were the twin astronauts. Yes, the Kellys. The Kellys, uh, where they actually, because because we live at the bottom of a gravity well. And yeah. gravity wells, like Earth and, and the sun and all these different things, yes. distort space-time. It actually changes the shape of the, rea- the fabric of the universe around us. And that influences time. And so they would actually, because they were in different places... Um, they one, aged at they different aged rates. Ever, I mean, it's 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 you know super slight, but it's that thing where the time dilation effect, where you basically go and if you were to travel at the speed of light or just under the speed of light, you would actually, if you did it long enough, you would age at a slower rate yeah. than the person back on Earth, which is fascinating science, uh, cool stuff. That should we ever get off the get out of our gravity well again, um, you know, is going to actually impact how we. If we are to expand into the rest of the solar system, the rest of the galaxy, it's going to impact how yep. we are as a species. The interesting stuff. All right. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much, everybody, yeah, thanks, for guys. joining and jumping in the chat. Um, if you would like to support the channel in any way, shape, or form, there are coffee. a few ways you can do send it. Send coffee. Uh, you can send coffee, but uh, you could also... Uh, subscribe on our Subscribestar account. Mm-hmm. We also have a PayPal 
uh, tip jar. The links are in the show description. And, you know, certainly there's no there's no obligation for financial support at all. No. If you just give us a thumbs up, give us a like, give us a share, uh, that goes a long way, especially with the YouTube algorithm being so wonky as it is. Um, any any little bit helps. Yeah. The, the, the activity in the live chat, that's a good thing. Um, I got an email last week that super stickers are now a thing. So in the live chat, we have the super chat where you can right, click yeah. on click on the donate button and you can give us money that way. But then also the super sticker where you can donate money and you can put a sticker in the live chat. Aha. Uh-huh. Because that's a thing, I sure. guess. Just okay. don't just don't spam the comments with emoticons because then you'll have your Google account shut down. And you will get all sort. Of, this is this is the new thing with YouTube right now. It's it's all sorts of a mess. But um, I understand maybe that it's being fixed. But don't spam comments with emoticons right now because that'll get you in trouble. Okay. Because the AI that's part of Google YouTube is a stupid AI. Legion point five. Yes, that's right. Okay. Uh, We'll travel into the future next week. We'll travel into the future. Doctor Who uh, uh, Tartar Sauce Wednesday. We are. If all goes well, we are recording tomorrow. Okay. That 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 is the plan. Um, I would like. I'm. I would hope. I'm hoping that we can do uh, talk about the restored. um, uh, For heaven's sakes, the most recent restored episode. Right. Um, and uh, but that may not be the topic. It just depends. Okay. We'll, we'll see. All right. And then the other uh, the other thing we just dropped a brand new Salacious Crumbs this evening, uh, episode eighty one. And then Friday night, assuming everything goes well and the technology cooperates, we will have a new Ranker Pit, uh, which is the live discussion about the Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. news. Ha- oh, um, speaking of Star Wars. <clears throat> Tomorrow, Disney Plus debuts. Yeah. And the first episode of The Mandalorian will be out. Yep. And we, I have not had a chance to tell you yet, um, there is one of the one of the movie theaters here in town, the armor the Screenland Armor. Oh. Is going to screen the first episode of The Mandalorian. And we are going to be there to be a part of it. There you go. We're very excited about that. So uh, so if you're in the Kansas City area, come by Screenland Armor and watch The Mandalorian with us. We're very excited about that. So, all right. Um, I guess that's it. <laughs> Thank you, folks, as always, for watching and listening. Yes. Uh, we appreciate it. We uh, don't just appreciate your uh, comments, uh, but we also appreciate you guys coming back and listening to us later as a yes. podcast as well as watching us and commenting on us live. Yep. Um, we'll do it again next All week. Right. Good night. Good night, folks. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 